This, in fact, is our new American moment. There has never been a better time to start living the American dream. Part of the president's uh, address to the nation in a state of the union, and we're hearing from you. Yeah, this is Brent. I just wanted to say that Trump was not my candidate, but tonight he definitely became my president. Interesting. One of the uh, most memorable open mics that we've had, and we've had dozens and dozens in the WOKV app. Keep them coming. We'll play them throughout the next half hour. Starting at 9 o'clock, Brian Kilmeade continues our team coverage from Washington. And then at 10 o'clock, Mark Kay is in earlier than normal as Jacksonville reacts to the State of the Union address. I'm joined live in studio by WOKV political analyst Rick Mullaney, the president of the Jacksonville University Public Policy Institute. I guess big picture, 30,000 foot view. Did the president hit a home run last night or has he gained some ground maybe with Democrats? What's your takeaway? Uh, uh Rich, overall, I think the president had a good night and he helped his cause. Uh, in particular, it was a well-delivered speech. He used per- anecdotes and stories in a very powerful way. Uh, he talked about his achievements, particularly for the first 30 minutes of the speech, when he talked about tax cuts, the economy, deregulation, conservative judges. Then he pivoted to his agenda ahead. And so overall, I think he had a very good night. If the standard is, however, how unifying the speech was in terms of the people in the room, I'm not quite sure he got quite there. I think his real audience was the American people, his core supporters, and what I call sort of the reluctant Trump supporters. Those people who've been going along but have been very troubled maybe by his behavior and how he's conducted himself. Overall, I give him high marks, but I do think it was a speech that will break down along party lines, and once it wasn't a speech necessarily that would get him more votes from people in the room. What did he say that brought in some of those reluctant supporters out there? What one or two messages and or moments stood out most to you that may ultimately start to turn the tide a bit more with those reluctant uh, Republicans and or Democrats? I, I think particularly in the early part of the speech, he put a very human face on things. But then he started to shift to the first year and the policy agenda. And if you're a conservative, there was a lot there to like. He spent a great deal of time on the economy and tax cuts. He talked about growing businesses and with the impact of those tax cuts. He talked about deregulation and what that means for the future of the economy, his appointment of conservative judges. He talked about the defeat of ISIS in Syria uh, and in Iraq. There was a laundry list that he went through fairly effectively, I think, in touting the achievements uh, of the first year. And I think that is music to the ears of sort of those reluctant Trump supporters, those who have been pausing because his inconsistency, his impulsiveness, his behavior sometimes has been causing them uh, to be very concerned. But last night, for over an hour, fairly lengthy speech, I thought he had a good night. It was well-delivered, well-crafted, and he used stories very, very powerfully. Is there one that stands out most to you? Um, I thought there were a couple in which there were parents of people who had lost children. And I'll be honest with you, it was Hard to almost watch, really. Uh, The tears in their eyes, this was not uh, acting. Uh, This was not television. This was real people in real anguish. I thought it was very powerful. Uh, Those two parents that had lost, and the other powerful one, uh, well, there are several, but the, the family that adopted the baby was a moving, touching story of of a drug dealer. They already had four children. They had that baby there. I think these were moving moments uh, in the State of the Union address. It started with Ronald Reagan, the first ever to use a special guest to tell a story. It has grown through the years, used by every president since. I don't know if it's ever been used as extensively as it was last night. Uh, Donald Trump, who had a 
show, as we all know, for many, many years as a bit of a showman. And I thought he used those stories very powerfully last night. And while a lot of that can be scripted, to your point, that was genuine. The reaction was genuine. And viewers and listeners, probably more viewers because you had to see it as opposed to just listening to it, uh, can maybe connect on some human level there. Well, Donald Trump himself stuck very closely, I think, to the script uh, and effectively, I thought, and very wisely. Clearly, the the guests, there were 15 guests sitting with the first lady. Uh, it was not their reactions were not scripted other than standing when they should stand. But their emotions were real and genuine. The American people could see those emotions. I thought it was very moving. Um, I think that it probably brought a lot of tears to the eyes of people around the country, quite frankly. There are a lot of critical issues uh, to talk about. Immigration reform, the threat North Korea poses as well. But it's been percolating under the surface here in Jacksonville and elsewhere. And I'm interested in your take on how the president addressed this. We all share the same home, the same heart, the same destiny. And the same great American flag. So kind of doubling down on standing for the flag without necessarily calling out NFL players who have done it or any group out there who has been uh, actively promoting social justice. The moment, how do you handle that moment, do you think? Well, the first part of that was, of course, very unifying. The part about the flag, and he went on to talk about how important it was for all of us to stand for the flag, obviously, without saying so, was a reference to the controversy involving the NFL. It was also a reference to something that has been a bit of a divide among Republicans and Democrats. And, and so and there were a number of times throughout the speech in which the president uh, made sort of vague or veiled references to policy areas in which there is some disagreement, and that was a good example of one. He talked about unity. Is there a sense or, or what signs will you look to, and we're speaking with our political analyst Rick Mullaney from the Jacksonville University Public Policy Institute, in-depth coverage now of the State of the Union on Jacksonville's Morning News. What signs will you look for that there actually are unifying steps that are being taken? Because talking unity and actually seeing it happen are two completely different things. Rich, I think they are very, very different things. A, a couple points to keep in mind. First, the president in the past has given some very good speeches. He did it last year with the joint session of Congress. He did it in Warsaw on foreign policy. He did it last week in Davos, Switzerland. The real challenge, I think, for the president is what do you do in the days and weeks that follow? Did you the see speech? me look up there? I was looking to see if he <laughs> tweeted yet. Well, that, that was that's the reality that we're in right uh, now. Last year, after the after a very fine speech to the joint session of Congress, he he got into a controversy with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He started tweeting that President Obama had been ta wiretapping him, and he overshadowed his own speech. If you're going to have genuine unity here, a lot depends on what happens in the days and weeks that followed. Also in the speech. Um, while there may have been many, many times in which there were calls for unity and some good language to it, I didn't really see genuine olive branches being extended uh, to Democrats in the room. I didn't see that last night. Uh, it was a conventional speech. It was one, I thought, in which the policy lines were clear and it broke down along policy policy lines. You certainly saw, as you see traditionally, one half of the room applauding and one half not. Right. Uh, but in the weeks ahead, particularly on immigration, which there is a deal to be had on immigration and on infrastructure, I believe there's a deal to be had on infrastructure too. But with the overhang of the midterm elections in November, and Democrats in particular feeling like they're in good position right now, which they are for November, it's going to be very hard on a bipartisan basis to get some of that legislation through if it's going to be positive for the president. So last night he laid out his framework or he reinforced his framework on immigration. He did talk about $1.5 trillion for infrastructure. But by the way, this was not an appropriation from the federal government. This was something in which there would be state and local partnerships along with private sector participation. That is a little bit of a different approach to infrastructure than some Democrats would like to see. So the President in 2018 has a tough road ahead in terms of the legislative agenda. Bottom line, however, 
I believe he overall helped his cause significantly last night when it comes to the American people, when it comes to his core supporters, and when it comes to those reluctant supporters. We'll dig a little deeper into uh, the next steps that we can expect to see on immigration reform. And to Rick's point about not extending an olive branch, what might Democrats do to extend an olive branch out toward the White House and congressional Republicans as well? As our team coverage continues. After watching the State of the Union address last night, I came away with this impression. What a unique president we now have pushing hard to fulfill all of his campaign promises. How refreshing can that be? Open up the WOKV app and record an open mic. The president laying out a four-pillar plan on immigration. The first pillar of our framework generously offers a path to citizenship for 1.8 million illegal immigrants who were brought here by their parents at a young age. In-depth team coverage, our political analyst Rick Mullaney, the director of the Public Policy Institute at Jacksonville University. Is that enough of an olive branch from the president to try to bring in some Democrats and ultimately get immigration done? And how, uh, I don't know, um, anxious does that make more hardline Republicans? By that, that olive branch comment, clearly last week the president went a took an extra measure when he talked about 1.8 million uh, potentially on a pathway to citizenship. Let's talk about the immigration issue. This is an issue in which something bipartisan legislation is possible. That was not possible on health care. It was not possible on tax cuts. But when it comes to immigration and to infrastructure, it is very, very possible to get there with a bipartisan piece of legislation. The president in outlining in step number one, as he just said, a pathway for 1.8 million undocumented children who were brought here illegally by their parents. That, of course, has not gone over very well with the, on the far right. It is being embraced, of course, by Democrats. But then you have the other three pillars that he's talked about, the, the security issue, visa lottery, and, of course, what he refers to as change migration and Democrats refer to as family reunification. This is an area where I do believe Republicans and Democrats can come together. It is difficult. It is challenging. But it is possible here. And in the days and weeks ahead, we will see. Now, we have some deadlines. There's a March 5th deadline for DACA, although there's been a court decision. There's also a February 8th deadline for funding the budget. And we just recently had a shutdown on this DACA issue. But on immigration, it does appear that a deal is possible, although it will take some compromise on both sides. The Trump supporters would say, where's the compromise or the olive branch coming from the Democrats? Is that uh, an opportunity for Democrats to show uh, their voters and their supporters in the upcoming midterm elections that they're willing to work to get big issues done? Um, I believe it is a chance, and I think you're going to see Democrats offer some compromises on the second pillar, and that is the $25 billion that's not exclusively for a wall. It's partially for a wall, but it's mainly for border security, whether that's technology, whether that's additional agents or whatever that may be. I do expect to see some compromise there. The real challenge for in which the sides appear to be entrenched is on pillars three and four. And that is whether we keep the visa lottery or go to a more of a merit-based system and whether we're going to stick with what President Trump calls the nuclear family um, or instead have what we have now, which is a much more extended sort of family reunification, as he talked about last night, uh, which extends uh, pretty far. So those are the two big issues that are challenging on immigration. I always appreciate your insight. Thanks for coming in. The half hour goes by fast, doesn't it, Rick? <laughs> appreciate it. Our political analyst, Rick Mullaney from the Jacksonville University Public Policy Institute. We'll continue our special coverage beginning at 9 o'clock with Ryan Kilmeade live from Washington. And then Mark Kay steps in at 10 o'clock as Jacksonville continues to react to the State of the Union address. Be listening at 11 to hear Herman Kane and Mark Kay, Dana Lash, and many others breaking down where we go next on issues like infrastructure and immigration. Jacksonville's morning news continues at 8.58. Rush Limbaugh follows Jacksonville's news at noon.